I'm glad y'all are here today. My name's Tommy. I'm the pastor at this particular establishment. I got a funny story to share with you guys real quick. Our, our Danny, uh, y'all know Danny. She, she talks about, we give it up for Danny. She's awesome, our communi communications pastor. She uh, just got back on a, from a retreat, and she went to Colorado. And so she's out on this retreat, and, you know, she's just away, and she's just God's ministering to her, and she meets a, a young lady who's also on the retreat. Come to find out, this girl's from Little Rock. And so Danny's talking to this girl, and the girl's name is Lindsay, and Danny's talking to this girl, and she's like, oh, my gosh, you're from Little Rock. What a small world. And the girl's like, yeah. And uh, Danny's like, where'd you go to high school? And the girl's like, Pulaski Academy, which is where I went to high school. Don't hate. We recruited, but we won, so... That's where I went to high school, right? And so the girl's like, oh my gosh, I do know Tommy Jones. He used to cheat off of me in geometry. <laughs> Danny was like, that's my pastor. <laughs> so I'm making you proud across the nation, church. And Lindsay, if you're watching, you should repent for letting me do that. I hope you've learned a lesson. She was in ninth grade and I was a senior. <laughs> Oh, in my defense, it was my third time in that class, so I had to get done. So that part's not a joke. So, all right, so here we are, back together, experiencing God. Uh, man, this has been fun. This is, so this is like week 12. It's sort of the end, but not the end, because we're going to do one more week next week. Uh, but this one was fun for me, and I hope it's fun for you. And I know some of you, like, are kind of, you're still with the study. Some of you, if you're honest, you kind of fell off. 12 weeks on one study is tough. Uh, but I applaud any of you who even made an effort, man. I know that we've seen great depth through this, and it's been cool. But um, So Black would be the guy who writes Experiencing God. He uses a passage for this week, and he uses Hebrews chapter 10. And Blackaby starts in the book in verse 24. And, and see, I, I think if you start in verse 24, you miss a lot of this passage. So I'm going to start in verse 19. So if you have a Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, and we'll sort of talk through this. And we're going to be all over the place a little bit today, which shouldn't surprise you. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, now what should you do when you see the word therefore in the Bible on your own time? Read what comes before it. Bingo, I might be trying to trick you. So verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. By the way, what is the most holy place? Anyone know? It's, it's the presence of God. That's what the most holy place is. So since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened up for us through the curtain that is Christ's body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of y'all are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, I, I, this is a good verse on a lot of reasons. We're going we're gonna to talk to it. But if you just start in verse 24, you miss a lot of things. If you just start in verse 24, verse 24 says, uh, and, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. That's this. Okay, that's what we're doing here. He says, I want you to hold on to that, to meet together and to encourage one another and to spur one another on towards good deeds. That's what this is. And so he's saying, I don't want you to give this 
up. I want you to continue to meet together. But the problem is if you don't read everything that comes before it, what you begin to think is the reasons we meet together are about your comfort and that you should decide whether or not you want to meet together based on what makes you comfortable meeting together. And so it's, it's things like we begin to think that we should meet together because, um, because we like the programs, that we should meet together and encourage one another because we like the mask policy. So we should meet together and encourage one another because we like the amount of social distance between us. That we should meet together and encourage one another because the music is going to be a song we like. We should meet together and encourage. And that's, that's, that's what we begin to believe when we just read these verses and forget about the ones who came before it. But the truth is, nothing we're doing in here is about any of those things. It's not about whether or not we like the mask policy, and it's not about whether or not we're comfortable in the space, and it's not about any of those things. Those things were never meant to be the main things. And we didn't build this room because of those things. And those of us who do this professionally or, or for our lives, we didn't give our lives to this because of those things. Those things are not the main things, but if you don't know the main things, you can let those things affect this thing. You with me? Right? There's more. Throw that verse back up there for me, Ann, if you don't mind. So he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why do we do this thing? Why is this thing important to us? Why is this thing the most important thing on my schedule each week? It's because I have confidence to enter the most holy place, the presence of God by the blood of Christ. That's why this is important because I get to be with you guys in the presence of God together by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is important to me, so this is important to me. That's why we do this. Go, what's the next one? By a new and living way, open for us to the curtain. Christ gave his body so that we might be able to come together. That's why we do this thing. And it says, we have a great priest over the house of God. Who's the great priest over the house of God? No, it's not me. <laughs> Jesus. Guys, when in doubt in church, just say Jesus. It's always a safe answer. Jesus is the great priest over the house of God. So why do we meet together in here? Is it because we like the preaching? No, it's because Jesus is the great priest over this house. Go to the next one. It says, let us draw near to God with sincere heart and full assurance. We get to be with God. We get to be with each other. And we have full assurance because of our faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. For, I don't know why, but that's having your heart sprinkled to cleanse you of a guilty conscience. I don't know about you. It wasn't a sprinkling that cleansed my heart. It was like, he might've sprinkled some of y'all, but he, wow, he dumped the rest of the tub on me. He sprinkled you and then he dumped it on me because I needed a lot for my guilty conscience to be cleansed. But it has been. And so I gather together with you guys in this place, not because of shame, but because of the freedom that I have in Jesus Christ. These are the main things. These are the reasons we gather together when it's convenient and when it's not and when we like it and when we don't. When it, this is why we do what we do. Those are the main things. And no one can take those main things away from us. Guys, I had someone, I'm not knocking because I had a lot of someone's ask me this. I heard the church was open again. The church never closed. This is the church. You are the church. You can put me anywhere in the world and church is still open. You can put you anywhere in the world and church is still open. We've never closed. Right now, guys, there's people watching us online. There are home churches all around the country springing up 
We didn't die, we multiplied. It's alive. The bride is alive, man, and it's good. And so I, I started thinking about this stuff and religion makes it about like, religion makes it about programs and, and what I'm getting out of it and do I like this and like that, but a relationship with God makes it where I just want it no matter what. And that's what God wants for us. God wants it to be about more than religion and programs. He wants it to be about a relationship. But if that's what you want, then what happens in here must begin to sprinkle into every other part of your life. Y'all remember this, this verse? We kind of started the year with it. And it's Ephesians 4.11, and it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers to equip people for works of service, so that the body of Christ might be built up. So why are we here? To be equipped for what? When are you like, Jesus? No. No, that's not the answer this time. Close. We're here to be equipped for works of service. So we are here to be equipped to go out there and do something, right? I, I, don't, I don't know about y'all, but I kind of, there's times in my life when I thought I was here to get better at being here. Like I was coming to church thinking, the more I come to church, the better I'll get at church. I remember one time, you know, as I was growing up in church, seeing someone who was worshiping like this. And this isn't for everybody, but it's something I kind of aspired to do. I was like, man, that looks fun. And so I saw somebody worshiping like that at church. And I thought to myself, I bet you if I go to church long enough, I'll do that. Like over years, you know, I'll, I'll kind of kind of start here and my friend, and then I'll move here, and then I'll move here, and then I'll move here. And like by the time I'm 93, I'm, yeah, I'll just be like, ah, I got it. Like that's what I think that was, the more I came to church, the better I would get at coming to church. But we're not in church to get better at church. We're in church to get better at out there. We're in church so that church will become out there. We're being equipped. We are gathering in here so that we will be sent out there to change the world. You're not here to get good at this. this some of us think we're like, honey, I'll, I'd give one day, but I'm going to go to church about another 43 years and kind of check out how they use the money. Kind of way. No, no, no. You're not being trained. You're doing this because you're here. I'd serve, and if I go to church another 74 more times, I might sign up for a no, no, no. You're being equipped in here to go out there and serve. And if what's happening in here isn't filtering into out there, then you're in here for the wrong reasons. And I, I dare say that most, for most people, not for any, any, well, yeah, for all of them, what you do out there during the week directly impacts what you experience in here. Word. And so if, if what you're experiencing in here isn't what you wanted, maybe I'm not the person to blame. Maybe it's time to examine the way you spent the rest of the week. Because what you do out there prepares you for what you experience in here. And what you experience in here should prepare you for what you do out there. They go together. It's called a symbiotic relationship. Y'all ever heard that term? Y'all know the little shark that has a sucker fish attached to it? They're in symbiosis together. I'm, I'm a genius. They're in symbiosis together. Right? The suckerfish cannot survive without the shark, yet the suckerfish is removing little things from the shark that would kill. And I don't know if this is right or not. I'm not a botanist or whatever, but trust me. Like, I'm still a genius. Symbiotic. I should have studied that one. The things rely on each other. 
what's happening out there depends on what's happening in here, but what's happening in here depends on what's happening out there. And so what's happening out here must work its way into your life out there. And now this is where I kind of got a little annoyed with Blackaby this week. Because after he set this up like this, he started talking about parts of my life that are personal. All right? He started talking about how it needed to affect my marriage. And I said, you need to get out of my marriage. That's my business, Blackaby. How many times have we said that to God? That's my business, God. And God's like, oh, no, it's mine. And so what Blackaby began to say in this is, is what's happening in here should actually begin to, to work its way out into your marriage. That the purpose of marriage is not, and I've, I've said this a long time, and I'm, that people get married and divorced for the exact same reason, and that is the pursuit of happiness. But maybe the purpose of marriage is not your happiness. Maybe the purpose of your marriage is holiness, that we might become Christ for the world in a new and unique and distinct way through our marriage. And so let's, let's throw this verse up here. This is one you're all going to like. This is Ephesians 5, 21. It says, submit to one another. Back in the day, they didn't preach the one another part. They just preached women submit to men. And then one woman was like, uh, did you see the verse that came before that? <laughs> submit to one another. That's not just women submitting to men. That's one another submitting to one another. And it says, submit to one another out of what? Reverence for your spouse? Submit to one another because my wife is fine every day? Submit to one another because my husband makes $1 billion? Submit to one another because they never have morning breath? Submit to one, I mean, submit to one another, why? Out of reverence for Christ, that you would submit to one another out of not reverence for one another. Remember how church isn't about you? It's about, it's about coming here and honoring God. Maybe marriage isn't about you. Maybe marriage is about coming together and honoring God, that we would submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that what happens in here would actually begin to filter its way into your marriage out there. And guys, listen, before, before you uh, just begin to pack on shame, uh, I have failed at this a thousand times. So if you're thinking I'm a failure, me too. Matter of fact, we should all look at each other and say failure. I, no, let's not do that. That's not very uplifting. But like, we've all failed at this. So just let, let's put the shame in a box and kick it over here for just a little bit and just focus on the glory of God, all right? We've all failed at this. But marriage is about demonstrating the love of Christ for the world out of reverence for Christ. And so what we do in here needs to work its way into your family out there. And so in here, we pray together, don't we? We pray together. I, I just prayed. We prayed together. When I am praying, y'all are not watching me pray. We are praying together. And so in here, we pray together. And in here, we worship together. And in here, we serve together. And in here, we give together. Those same togethers that we're doing in here need to be the togethers that you're doing in your marriage. And I know some of you, you're, there's, there's a woman or a man in this room who's like, I want to so bad, but he won't, but she won't. You just keep on and you trust God with he or she. You just keep on and you trust God. Because I promise you there are stories in this room of men and women who prayed for 10, 15, 20 years, and one day their spouse went, I get it. Trust God. Marriage is an instrument to serve the Lord. And when we begin to do in here for our marriage out there, our marriages will begin to resemble what's happening in here. And if there's a husband and wife sitting together right now and you're both bored, I'm willing to bet it's because you didn't spend your week out there preparing for what you were both going to experience in here. And if you're beef, you have a beef with that, your beef is with God. 
It's not just married people. Like I have a good friend of mine in here. She reminds me all the time. It's single people too. Like single people, you, you, you have a place, a position and power and there is something wonderful in you and you are not less than married people. If you're single in this room, you're not less than married people. Your story is not worthless. You may not need someone to complete you because it is possible that you can be complete in Christ alone. As a matter of fact, I know a story of a 33-year-old virgin man who completely changed the world. His name was Jesus. Now it's the Jesus answer. Matter of fact, there's a hilarious, this is probably one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. It's in Matthew 19, but let me give you a little precursor. So the disciples come to Jesus one day and they're like, Jesus, uh, you know, is it true that I can really divorce my wife with a certificate? And Jesus knows what they're, they're trying to trick him into saying, yeah, you can just divorce her for any, because a man back in the day could divorce his wife because she didn't please him or whatever. He just had to give her a certificate, right? A pass card. And so the, the disciples are questioning Jesus about what marriage is really about. And Jesus basically responds and says, no, you can't just divorce your wife with a certificate that what God brings together, he means for eternity. And listen to how the disciples respond in Matthew 19, 10. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between husband and wife, it's probably better that we don't get married. I'm be stuck with her forever. I better not. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this but only to those whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs, and by the way, a eunuch, guys, in biblical terms, is someone who was, uh, they'd had their sexuality removed or they were born uh, asexual or whatever, and so they didn't, they, they were single and celibate their entire lives for the purpose of honoring the king. That's the short story. The long story's weirder, so that's just where we're at. But it says, Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word but only those whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way. So there were people who were born a certain way. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are eunuchs who have chosen to live single and celibate. They have chosen to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And the one who can accept this should accept it. When Jesus talks about this, he says, man, there are people who will be single and celibate their entire lives for the purpose of the kingdom. And if you feel like that's supposed to be you, but you're surrounded by people like us who are saying, when are you gonna get married? When are you gonna get married? I'm sorry, because maybe that's not the life for you. And if it's not, that's okay. And you still have a place in the church and a place in the kingdom. Don't let us heap marriage pressure on you if that's not what God designed you for. It's okay. You can still live a God-ordained, beautiful, incredible life as long as your life is devoted to pleasing God with the way you live single. Um, I know for many of us, we failed at that. I failed at that one too. Uh, now, if you are married and you have kids, and that's not for everyone, there will be some married couples that won't have kids, and that is fine, and you are not any less than married couples with kids. But for some married couples, you will get married and you will have kids. And this one is another one where I failed so bad in life. Like, as many of you know, uh, when I married my wife, Christy, she already had a son, and he was five. And five-year-old boys are monsters, like they just live to suck the oxygen out of the world and devour my life is what I felt like. But I loved him. And I knew when I was marrying her, and I want you to hear this if you're a blended daddy, when you're marrying the woman, you're choosing the child. Don't ever tell the child different. When you choose the woman, you choose the child. 
And so I chose him and he was now mine, but we still had a little bit of conflict because he didn't quite understand my authority and power. And then I, as I was putting this together, I just, oh man, listen, listen to this. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, and I want to say fathers or mothers. Y'all are wanting equality. Well, here it is, fathers and mothers. You can't just pick it and choose it. We're all fathers and mothers. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In some translations of this, it says, do not provoke your children to anger. In some translations, it says, don't be a jerk to your kids. What it's saying is, man, don't be so hard on your kids. Like, and if you don't need to repent of this at some point in life, you're lying. But like, if you're in here singing, how great is our God, and you're going home and saying, how worthless are you, my child? And you're telling the kid they're stupid, or they're dumb, or you're calling them names, or you're labeling them, then that is sin, and you should repent. You should apologize to God and get this. You ready for this one? You should apologize to your children. Thank you. <laughs> How hard is that to do? To walk into the room and be like, hey, listen. And, and we want to we fake this, right? Like, I'm sorry. No, you got to walk in, look your son or daughter in the eye, and say, I failed as a parent today. And I'm sorry. And I love God with all of my heart. And I should have never, ever spoken to you that way. I should have never put my hands on you in that way. And I will never, ever, ever do it again. And then you need to live it. And opposite of that is sin. And I know it's quiet. And my hope is that what that is, is the spirit of the living God not filling you with shame. Remember, the shame's in the shame bucket over there. We don't have time for it today. But it's God saying, I'm giving you another chance. I'm giving you another chance to speak life into those kids. But what happens in here should affect the way we parent out there. And if it doesn't, then we're missing something somewhere along the way. And then Blackaby goes into another, he says, and I want you to act like Christians in your workplace. And I was thinking, you don't understand. I do the God thing on Sunday. Like, why would it affect my workplace? But it's almost as if what Blackaby's saying is what we do here on Sunday should affect your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. That he expects us to act like Christians even when we're at work. And sometimes that's hard because work is a fun place to gossip. And work is a fun place, you know, to do whatever you do. I don't know what your job is. But whatever it is, it should be centered around glorifying God through it. And if that's not happening there, then what's happening here isn't really taking hold yet. And what happens at work should affect how you worship in here. And how you worship in here should affect what's happening at work. And again, guys, we can beat ourselves up over this because every one of us who has any ounce of self-awareness has failed in one of these areas at some point in their life. We have failed in parenting in a way that leads our children to Christ. We have failed in being married in a way that leads our spouse to Christ. We failed in single. Some of us failed in single a lot. Some of y'all, some of us. We failed in that one. We failed, we failed, we failed, we failed. But that does not have to be the end of the story with Jesus Christ. That's why I like God's story so much. Because at the end of this day, this story will not be about my failure. The story will be about his victory over my failure. And how a God like that can take a guy who cheated his way through geometry on the third time and use him to build a church like this. And he can take people like you and use people like you to build a place like this. And he can take every one of our failures and use them for his glory so that we might transform the world. 
And that's who we are. And if you failed, me too. Me too. But just perhaps his victory is greater than your failure. Even in that area of your life. And so today is not a day of shame. Today's a day of receiving the forgiveness and grace that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And so I hope you will do that. You will receive the correction and then go and live as people who've been set free. Amen.